Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Monday, December 25th. Happy Noel Day. Not Noel, Noel, as in the letter. Today, we celebrate the birth of Jesus by removing the letter L from all our speech and writing. And I like this plan. I'm totally doing it. I mean, it's messed up on a lot of levels, because Noel means Christmas. It has its root in three languages. The French Nouvelle, meaning news. The English word Noel means shout of joy and the Latin word natalis, which means birth. So obviously Jesus. But celebrating the birth of Christ by not using L's when you talk, while fun, sounds like missing the point in a dramatic way. Big swing and a miss. And in case you didn't know, today is also Christmas Day, the day we traditionally associate with the birth of Jesus Christ. I don't know how you wouldn't know. It's impossible to avoid. Even Hindus and atheists celebrate Christmas. Incorrectly, but they do. The only people I know that get bent out of shape and refuse to celebrate Christmas are the grumpy Christian legalist types that are always on about how Christ was born in September and December 25th is really Saturnalia and mistletoe represents, well, we won't discuss that one. And if we actually knew the real date of Christ's birth, I might get more on board with them about it. But it seems like if their goal is for me to not recognize Saturnalia, then how come it is I'm allowed to celebrate Jesus every other day out of the year except this one? I mean, that don't even seem a little backwards to you? Like, if you wanted me to worship Saturn, what would you do different? How about this? On my side of the driveway, we ain't worshiping Saturn or decorating no tree or saying happy holidays. And I darn sure ain't touching no mistletoe. I'll get you a present and I'll tell you Merry Christmas and I don't care if the beast system types get so mad they can't see straight. So Merry Christmas. Our reading for today is Zechariah 8, 1 through 23, Revelation 16, 1 through 21, Psalm 144, 1 through 15, and Proverbs 30, 29 through 31. So if y'all are ready, I'll give you the mistletoe thing though. Once you know that one, you can't unsee it. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squall do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, yesterday on the 24th, in the Old Testament, we read Zechariah 6, 1 through 7, 14. And Zechariah is still having visions. And he just saw the two women take the basket off to Shinar to build a house for sin, which is as close as we could get to the proper interpretation of that. Now he looks, and behold, there came four chariots out from between two mountains. And the mountains were mountains of brass. And horses and chariots usually represent conquering armies. And here we're talking about the same four great empires Daniel did the Babylonian, Persian, Greek, and Roman. And they're coming from between two mountains, because mountains are the natural barriers which divide kingdoms. There's one kind of barrier anyway. And even though these are strong as brass, they're not stopping these guys. Which, there's some precedent here, because it's common for forces to set up in mountain passes where a few guys can defend a small area against a lot of people. Think like Thermopylae, and David did the same thing. And this is probably representative of how all four of these empires brought their armies through the Straits of Cilicia, which is in Turkey, north of Antioch. And the first chariot were red horses, and in the second chariot black horses, and in the third chariot white horses, and in the fourth chariot grizzled and bay horses. And that last is a mistranslation. Grizzled and bay should be translated piebald and strong. And y'all horse people will know that a piebald horse has a pattern of unpigmented hair on a dark background. It's a black horse with white patches, basically. And this brings to my mind the iron mixed with clay of the Roman Empire, 
in Nebuchadnezzar's vision. But Z don't get it, so he asks, and the angel explains. He says, These are the four spirits of the heavens which go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth. Spirits of judgment, I guess, or the spirits of the Gentile world, maybe. It's the same word as in Daniel 7-2 when he said the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. He's talking about these same empires. And the larger point here is God's in control of them. If they go to execute judgment, it's God's judgment they're executing. So verse 6, the black horses which are therein go forth into the north country, and the white go forth after them, and the grizzled go forth toward the south country. And this makes sense if these horses are the kingdoms. Because the Persians marched from Persia into Chaldea, north of Judah, which they called the North Country. And Alexander the Great came right behind him through Asia Minor, and the Romans came through Egypt down south. So verse 7, And the bay went forth, and sought to go, that they might walk to and fro through the earth. And he said, Get you hence, walk to and fro through the earth. So they walked to and fro through the earth. And this implies they had God's permission to be such a big empire, and expand all over the place like they did. Which is reassuring, at least as far as it goes, because it doesn't mean bad things won't happen, but it does mean that everything that happens is for God's purposes. They couldn't not have had an empire if they wanted to, and when it was time for Rome to fall, they couldn't have stopped it. So he says, Then cried he upon me, and spake unto me, saying, Behold, these that go toward the north country have quieted my spirit in the north country. So the Babylonians are finished with whatever they're supposed to do. And that's the end of that one. Verse 9 is a new vision. And it's a weird way to say it, but a lot of the Jews still in captivity were sending money to support the new temple. So God says to take some of that gold and make crowns for Joshua the high priest and tell him the branch is going to build the temple and shall sit and rule upon his throne and he shall be a priest upon his throne. So what he's saying is Joshua is a type of the Messiah. And just like Josh is going to build the Lord's house, Christ will build his house, the church, where the Holy Spirit lives. And the two crowns symbolize both the king and priest roles of the Messiah, which Jesus hasn't done yet, and which nobody ever did in Israel. They separated church and state. One man couldn't be both. And one crown was probably silver and the other gold, or both silver and gold might be used on the same crown. The silver represents the human Messiah and the gold the divine, because Christ was both God and man. Or some think it might be how he was first king and priest on the earth, and later was king and priest in heaven. But I doubt it. He was never king on earth, not the way they mean it. Not yet, anyway. Or, some think, both crowns were gold, and the silver was for some other use, because the high priest's crown was supposed to be made entirely of gold. But whatever, what he's getting at is this is all end-time stuff. And verse 14 says, And the crowns shall be to Helam, and to Tobijah, and Jedaiah, and to Hen the son of Zephaniah, for a memorial in the temple of the Lord. And nobody knows who these guys are. Helam is probably a copyist error, and it should read Heldei that we just talked about four verses ago. But that ain't no better because they don't know who he is either. <laughs> and Hen is probably another name for Josiah. But it's not really a name, it's an appellative. And it should be translated for the kindness of the son of Zephaniah. Then there's this other bunch of eggheads who Bible for a living who say, no, that's not how Hebrew works. But it doesn't matter. The crowns are a memorial to them in the temple. Kind of like this nonprofit I used to work for sold bricks in their walkway for $300 a piece. And if you got one, they'd carve your name in it. And anyway, verse 15, he wraps up by saying, if y'all will just do what I tell you, you'll get your temple and everything will be okay. So chapter seven, two years later, give or take, it came to pass in the fourth year of King Darius that the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah in the fourth day of the ninth month, even in Chislu, 
which is actually the month of Kislev and probably the way I should have said it, but you know, King James. But anyway, that's right before this time of year we're in now. It says, When they had sent unto the house of God Sherezer and Regimelech and their men to pray before the Lord and to speak unto the priests which are in the house of the Lord of hosts and to the prophets, saying, Should I weep in the fifth month, separating myself as I have done these so many years? So Sherezer was a son of King Sennacherib of Assyria, who with his brother Adramelech murdered their father and then fled to Armenia. And I have no idea if this is the same guy, but that's what I got. Regimelech is also another word for the title Robmog, meaning friend of the king, or maybe chief eunuch of the king. And what's happening here is they sent a couple of important guys and their staff down to the temple to ask if they're supposed to keep fasting and praying like they've been doing. So Z takes it to the Lord, and I don't think this was the answer he was expecting. God says, listen, y'all been fasting and praying in the fifth and seventh month for 70 years now. And I never asked y'all to do that. I gave y'all all the feasts and fasts that I wanted. But y'all added these after I put you in captivity. You added your own religion to my acts of faith that I gave you. So don't try to convince me now you were ever doing that for me and my glory. I know it was all about your own trouble and inconvenience. And they actually added four new religious observances. But we're only talking about two of them here. But whatever, God hates that. Still though, he's being merciful and letting them come back home. Verse 7, he says, basically, if y'all had listened to the prophets I've been sending to you for like a thousand years, y'all wouldn't even need to ask that question. And verse 8, I'm not sure if this is a new word or if he's just expanding on what he just said. I think it's the same one. But he says, basically, I told y'all to execute true judgment and shew mercy and compassions every man to his brother and to oppress not the widow nor the fatherless, the stranger nor the poor, and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. But y'all are hard headed and don't listen and pulled away the shoulder, and stopped the ears that they should not hear. You ever see a little kid with his fingers in his ears going, I can't hear you, la 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 la. (laughs) Does that annoy you? A little bit. Annoys God, too. (laughs) So therefore it has come to pass that as he cried, and they would not hear, so they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. You get what you give. I mean, that's the kind of thing that'll get you scattered with a whirlwind among all the nations whom they knew not, which is what happened. And God has more to say on this subject, but that's where we stop reading. We have been reading for some time now the cost of disobedience. Now, God gave the Jews an ornate religion so they could know him, remember him, and remain his in their day-to-day lives forever. The imaginations of their heart constantly worked against them. So instead of repenting of failing God, they want to keep their bad behavior, but do a self proclaim penance or a self-proclaimed sacrifice. When all God wants is obedience as proof of love, repent and obey. That's the same word for us today too. Just obey. When we hear his voice, don't harden our heart. And in the New Testament, we read Revelation 15, 1 through 8. And verse 1, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Is filled, could be translated was finished. He's basically saying this is all the wrath of God. This angel has all the wrath. So how about we walk way around that guy? (laughs) And verse 2, I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire. And them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And the sea of glass was represented in the temple by the laver that the priests washed in. 
But you don't wash in the sea of glass, because if you're there, you're already clean. And you could make the argument that we're washed by the word. So the laver and the glass represent the word of God, which is why they that had gotten victory over the beast and his mark and the number of his name stand on the sea of glass. They're standing on the word of God. And that's ah, mm. that's kind of a stretch, but, you know, that's maybe. Good. Verse 3 says, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. And the song of Moses is in Exodus 15. And that's interesting. It's all about God's power and mercy in the Exodus. Verse 4, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. Nations shall come and worship. That's not true today. Even churches today barely worship him. And they treat him more like a buddy or a concierge, not like the ruler of everything that there is. But sit tight, it's all going to work out. And after that, I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the temple is mentioned 15 times in this book, but not until chapter 4, when the church is removed. From then on, God is dealing with the people on earth who have a temple, not the church, which is in heaven. And the temple on earth is a replica of all the things that are in heaven. The tabernacle and all the stuff in it, including the Ark of the Covenant, are replicas of what's up in heaven. And that's spelled out in Hebrews 9.23. In verse 6, And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. Clothed in linen is sometimes translated precious stones, but I don't know what that means. And bowls are really more like vials or censers. They're like these little flat plates they used in the temple for worship. They'd burn incense in them. How that holds the wrath of God? I don't know. But remember, this is all signified. And verse 8, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. So smoke, see, incense. And these seven angels with the seven bowls, it kind of makes it clear that these judgments proceed from God. All the stuff that happens is not cause of man's mistakes or Satan's anger or whatever. It's God's judgment on the earth. And nobody can enter the temple. Even the redeemed in heaven are denied access because God suffers all by himself for all the horror of sin. And one time when I was 14, I shoplifted a pocket calculator from the TG&Y. So, okay, Bible y'all, Paul, why are you bringing that up? Who cares? Well, it was a sin. And you're right, as sins go, it's not Auschwitz, but it's a problem. You know, More accurately, I maintain that being a person who would steal is the issue more than the actual theft itself. And there's probably a lot of folks out there who never stole anything in their lives. And I guess that makes them one better than me. But that just means they haven't stolen yet. They've never been hungry enough to have to steal. Which I'm happy about. Don't get me wrong. Just don't start getting proud because your sins are better than mine so far. Because how do we know they are? How do we know that everything that crosses the line doesn't affect God the same way? That stealing a $5 calculator hurt the Lord just as much as Herod's murder of the infants. All sin separates us from God, and it's the separation that hurts him. But it's okay, he fixed it for us. He made a way where there wasn't one. All you got to do is listen to his son and do what he tells you, and everything's going to get put back right. I stole something once with a group as a child. They all got mad because I was taking so long, so I just grabbed some makeup and left. But I do give God credit, even though I was mad at him at the time. I didn't care that he said, don't steal. But in his mercy, the thought occurred to me that I didn't want to be a thief. 
I wanted to be a superhero, and they didn't steal. God works with us wherever we are. Anyway, in recent years, the Lord has increased or is developing my discernment regarding the steal, kill, and destroy unholy trinity of the beast system. And this unfolding revelation helps me with complex issues. Anything that steals money, life, ideas is evil and hurts someone. And it all starts with stealing, but it doesn't end there. Private property is God's idea. And he is our portion. We don't steal. It makes him look bad. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 143, 1-12. And it's a Psalm of David. And like most of his Psalms, he's having some trouble, so he spells it out for the Lord and asks for help. And without even waiting to see, he just assumes God's listening and will help him out. He never asks for specifics because he knows better, and he knows that God knows better, and the help that comes will be whatever's appropriate, if not what he's asking for. And that is faith. Yes, David is everywhere that he's a soul before God, praying, teach me to do thy will, and in thy righteousness bring my soul out of trouble. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 30, verse 24 through 28. It says, There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. And it's another list of similes by Solomon. I'm kind of starting to dig this. <laughs> he says, The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. Smart. Preppers. Represent. In verse 26, the conies are but a feeble folk. And that's better translated instead of conies, rock rats or mountain mice. And it could even be rabbits. Nobody knows for sure. Animal translations are hard. But they make their houses in the rocks. And that's smart. There's a lot of places to hide. The locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them, by bands. Except in Revelation, remember that? Their Mm -hmm. king was Gog. But regular locusts, their deal is all working together. And the spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. So this is all about being smart in the way you conduct your business. Prepare for the hard times, protect yourself and others, cooperate, and put in the effort to build up. Yeah. So small things are small ones that are made wiser than the wise. So wiser than the wise because they know when to prepare or stock their pantry. Wiser than the wise, they know where to live. Wiser than the wise, they are self-directed. Don't follow men, maybe? Wiser than the wise, using both hands, wholehearted, to get to a better place. Size doesn't matter. God makes us wise in all things if we listen. And listening is what we're doing as we read and meditate on God's Word now. What translation did you get that out of? Young's Literal Translation. That's pretty good. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for December 25th is Zechariah 8, 1-23. Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I was jealous for her with great fury. Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion, and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, There shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand for very age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes, saith the Lord of hosts. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, 
and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God, in truth and in righteousness. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Let your hands be strong, ye that hear in these days these words by the mouth of the prophets, which were in the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. For before these days there was no hire for man, nor any hire for beast. Neither was there any peace to him that went out or came in because of the affliction. For I said all men every one against his neighbor. But now I will not be unto the residue of this people as in the former days, saith the Lord of hosts. For the seed shall be prosperous, the vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give their due. And I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. And it shall come to pass that as ye were a curse among the heathen, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you, and ye shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, As I thought to punish you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, saith the Lord of hosts, and I repented not. So again have I thought in these days to do well unto Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Fear ye not. These are the things that ye shall do. Speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. And let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor. And love no false oath. For all these are things that I hate, saith the Lord. And the word of the Lord of hosts came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, and the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth, shall be to the house of Judah joy and gladness, and cheerful feasts. Therefore love the truth and peace. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, It shall yet come to pass that there shall come people, and the inhabitants of many cities, and the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go speedily to pray before the Lord, and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will go also. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem, and to pray before the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass, that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Our reading in the New Testament for December 25th is Revelation 16, 1-21. And I heard a great voice out of the temple, saying to the seven angels, Go your ways, and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went, and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man and every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art, and wast, and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, 
and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake, and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God, to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Our reading in Psalms for December 25th is Psalm 144, 1-15. A Psalm of David Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war, and my fingers to fight, my goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him? or the son of man that thou makest account of him. Man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning, and scatter them. Shoot out thine arrows, and destroy them. Send thine hand from above. Rid me, and deliver me out of great waters, from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon a psaltery, and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace, that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. And our reading in Proverbs for December 25th is Proverbs 30, verses 29 through 31. There be three things which go well, yea, four are comely in going. A lion, which is strongest among beasts, and turneth not away for any, a greyhound, and an he-goat also, and a king against whom there is no rising up. And that'll do it for the 25th. Alright y'all, let's do our 30 second meditation. We ain't got but a couple days left for the new year, so I thought that'd be our theme for this week, is new beginnings. So today's prayer is on Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 which says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So hit the 30 second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on new beginnings for the new year, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, your prophet Isaiah tried to encourage Judah and give them hope about the sufferings they endured. In much the same way, as we leave this difficult year behind us, we should work to forget the tragedies and focus on the bountiful blessings you bestowed upon us. 
for we know that you are not finished with us yet, and will continue to work your will in us, perfecting your children until the day of completion. We are continually thankful for your teachings, your blessings, and your protection in the coming year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, what I really need you to do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squaw and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you ain't going to make things any better, just try to avoid making them worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. And verse 14 says, And the crowns shall be... Crowns? And verse... (laughs) Sound like a Wookiee. Okay.